we will see Notre Dame sit in this zone a lot. And they're going to have to contest shooters. And they will look to bring a couple players to McCowan if they can on the catch. In April of 2018, Jenny Wynn got together with some friends to watch the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship at a local sports bar. And we will see Mississippi State playing in the deny. These two teams, each of the last two years, defeated Connecticut to get to the national championship game. But when they got to the bar, the game was nowhere to be found. We roll in there, and there's like 30-plus TVs. The game's not on any TV. On the projector, there's a regular season baseball game, and there's like one table of guys watching it. She convinced a server to put the game on one of the smaller TVs and watched with her friends up until the dramatic end. I think there was like 3.2 seconds left or something, and Arike Agumbawale gets the basketball at the three-point line on an inbounds play, takes one dribble and launches it, and the buzzer goes off, and the ball goes through the net. And I swear to you, we lost our minds. No one else knew why. Everybody in the bar was staring at us because nobody was watching the same game we were. In the parking lot after the game, Wynn couldn't shake the feeling that the experience could have been better. I hug a good friend of mine. I was just like, that's the best game I've ever seen in my entire life. And she goes, yeah, can you imagine if the sound had been on? I said, the only way we're ever going to watch a women's game in its full glory is if we had our own place. That thought sent Wynn on a mission to create something America had never seen. A sports bar that plays only women's sports. And as it turns out, there's a pretty strong financial case for doing it. For the Freakonomics Radio Network, this is the Economics of Everyday Things. I'm Zachary Crockett. Today, women's sports bars. From a young age, Jenny Wynn was obsessed with basketball. I loved everything about it. The physicality, the beauty in the motion, the pace of it. Basketball was really my identity. She dreamed of playing professionally, but her parents wanted her to follow a more traditional path. My parents fled Vietnam during the war in 75. Mom was a bank teller for many, many years. And then dad was a janitor. My mom was like, uh, you know, girls don't play sports. Later, Wynne discovered a second obsession, cooking. I called my parents and told them that I wanted to be a chef. My dad, he gave me the best advice I think anyone could have given me, and I think he did it more to, like, scare me out of it. He goes, Jenny, I want you to find the worst job in that field that you can find, do it for a year, and if after that you still want that to be your life, then go for it. Wynne took that advice and landed a job as a fry cook at a fast-casual restaurant chain. The kitchen, she found, was kind of like playing a sport. I'm instantly hooked. The adrenaline rush, the being part of a team, timing, execution, being under a crunch. I thrived. So a year went by real quickly, and much to my dad's dismay, I was like, I love it. She went on to graduate from culinary school. 
Then, over the next 15 years, she embarked on a successful career as an executive chef for Fortune 500 companies and universities. She was still a sports nut, especially when it came to women's basketball. But finding those games wasn't easy. I think that the experience for the women's sports fan is universal in a lot of ways. The inability to find a place to watch it, the inability to find it at all on TV. You know a game is on on Thursday night and you look it up on the internet and you can't find it. I've had this experience as well, going to a bar, just trying to watch the women's game. And, you know, it's a struggle. Oh, well, you know, we can't change the channel because, you know, everyone's watching this game. That's Cheryl Cookie. She's a professor at Purdue University, where she studies gender and sports. She's been tracking TV coverage of women's sports for 30 years. And she says that the sports bar issue is just part of the challenge that fans face. In 1989, when we were first collecting data, the percentage of coverage of women's sports was around 5%. In 2019, we were at 5.1% on the local affiliates and 5.7% on ESPN Sports Center. You don't have to really try to be a fan of men's sports. Our culture makes it really easy. It's like the air we breathe. Even if you're not a sports fan, you know when the Super Bowl is happening, right? You know when the NFL football season starts. It's constantly there. Whereas as a fan of women's sports, you really have to invest. You really have to dig deep and know, okay, where do I go if I want to watch this match? That's what Wynn was thinking about back in 2018 watching the women's NCAA championship game without sound. I was driving home that night and I was just like, you know, if we had our own place, what would we call it? So I was just like, oh yeah, the sports bra. And then a few days after that, I was like, ooh, I have a motto for it. We support women. The idea of the sports bra became a running joke among Wynn's friends an imaginary place where women's sports were always front and center. Like if we wanted to watch a championship of gymnastics, nobody would put that on. And we'd be like, oh, at the sports bra, gymnastics would be on. My friends and I would just, you know, have this make-believe land that was like, perfect. In 2020, Wynn decided it was time to turn make-believe into reality. She applied for loans to get the business off the ground. But this was at the peak of the pandemic, when bars were going out of business left and right. These banks would always say, there's three main reasons we can't do this. One, you've never owned a business before, so you're completely inexperienced. Two, it's the pandemic, and you want to open a bar and restaurant during a pandemic. And then three, this is literally a concept nobody had ever done before, which is very, very risky for a bank. Every single bank turned her down. So she cashed out her life savings, around $27,000, and cobbled together some more money from family and friends. And then she launched a Kickstarter campaign. That's when she knew her idea had struck a chord. We reached our goal of 49000 in nine days. And by the time it closed 30 days later, it was over 105000 I've got thousands of responses. I got notes, letters, cards, things in the mail. For Wynn, it was a sign that she had tapped into something special. 
people were ready to show up. But finding the games to put on the TVs? Well, that turned out to be the real challenge. That's coming up. The Economics of Everyday Things is sponsored by American Express. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features, like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most. Plus, up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The Economics of Everyday Things is sponsored by Constant Contact. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The sports bra opened for business in Northeast Portland on April 1st, 2022. It was the first day of the NCAA Women's Final Four. Jenny Wynn had always been told that she'd need to be patient, that it takes time for a bar to build a base of loyal customers. But at the sports bra, we opened to absolute media frenzy. There was hundreds and hundreds of people out front hours before we opened. I semi-blacked out that day because there was just so many feelings. The sports bra looks pretty similar to any other sports bar. It's an intimate space with five TVs, 40 seats, and lots of dark wood. The walls are covered with sports memorabilia. There are 21 beers on tap, all from breweries owned, at least in part, by women. But according to Professor Cheryl Cookie, the sports bra is about more than just sports and beer. 
as a woman in this culture, there's a song and dance that I have to do just to go and watch a game. Like, okay, who are we, where are we going to sit? The sports bra is unlike anything that I've experienced as a woman. It's unlike anything that I've experienced as a sports fan. It is a space that is explicitly about women's sports in an unapologetic way. Cookie says the sports bra has had to fight back against a common narrative she's encountered in her work. That people aren't interested in women's sports, that the women's game is not as exciting, it's not as interesting, people just don't want to tune in. I think the idea that the demand or interest isn't there is now being challenged by empirical evidence. The audience is there. It's just the content isn't always easily accessible in the kinds of ways I think that men's sports are. If you make it easy for people to watch, they'll watch. There's evidence to back that up. In a 2018 poll by Nielsen, 84% of general sports fans, women and men alike, said they were interested in watching women's sports. This past spring, the NCAA Women's Basketball Final was aired on network television for the first time in 28 years, and it attracted a record-setting 9.9 million viewers, about two-thirds the audience of the men's final. It was also the most viewed college sporting event on ESPN's streaming platform. And yet... The ability to get content is really a struggle. You can't just leave ESPN on or Fox Sports. It takes a lot of investment and effort. It's getting multiple subscriptions to multiple different platforms to try to fill in the gaps and put all the pieces together. Luckily for Wynn, there was a growing number of media companies focused on fulfilling this need. Networks and streaming platforms like Just Women's Sports, the Women's Sports Network, and ESPNW now feature around-the-clock coverage of more than a dozen sports. Major cable providers generally charge by the number of seats and the number of TVs at a sports bar. For a 40-seat sports bar, the bill can easily run over $2,000 per month. Wynn says the cost of utilities, which includes subscriptions and cable services, accounts for more than 50% of her expenses. We've played, I mean, obviously the big ones, so soccer, basketball, tennis, softball, volleyball. We've done swimming, diving, gymnastics, cheer, pickleball, bowling, rugby, lacrosse, boxing, CrossFit, ultimate frisbee, roller derby, the Special Olympics. We dedicated a TV to that. And it's not just women who are tuning in. A lot of the guys that come into the sports bra on the regular don't watch men's sports anymore, period. A lot of the men's sports to them have gotten so convoluted with drama, ego, selfish play, whereas in a lot of women's sports, it's much more like classic fundamentals and team-oriented. Customers like this have been a boon for win. In the first year of business, the sports bra brought in over $1 million in revenue, three times the earnings of the average bar in America. It has been profitable since that very first day. I paid off all the loans that I told people it would take me five years to pay them. And then I was able to pay myself from day one. 
which a lot of owners don't for years. Of course, Wynn has the benefit of operating in Portland, which is known to be a progressive town. But she thinks the model can work anywhere. There's been people all up in my email about investing in a franchise, investing in the spread of the sports bra as far and wide as humanly possible. Recently, another bar focused on women's sports opened in Seattle. It also plays men's sports some of the time. But Wynn is still encouraged. If other sports bars that are traditionally just playing men's sports decide that, oh, we're going to have a Women's Wednesday where all the TVs are just playing women's sports. Oh, my God, that would be a W. The mission of the sports bra is to increase visibility, representation, and the culture of fandom for girls and women's sports, period. Part of that mission includes exposing girls to women's sports at a young age. The sports bra allows customers of all ages to watch games before 10 p.m. And for Wynn, that kind of access is personal. I started to think about if I was nine years old and my parents took me to a place like the sports bra, what kind of an impact that would have had on my life to be in a place that felt like I belonged. I thought about a little kid that could see a future for themselves represented on TV and then look around and be surrounded by people cheering for that person up there on the screen. All we're doing is changing the channel and it kind of changes everything. And Wynn's parents, they are regulars now too. Mom is there every day. Dad's there about twice a week, once to kind of like fiddle with things and then once to eat and drink and watch sports. For the economics of everyday things, I'm Zachary Crackett. This episode was produced by Sarah Lilly with help from Lyric Bowditch and mixed by Jeremy Johnston. Do you ever have like an old school sports bar guy wander in and say, what the hell's going on here? Where's my baseball game? Absolutely. And they sit down and they're like, this is rad. The Freakonomics Radio Network, the hidden side of everything. Stitcher. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.